millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Richard Porter. I'm Johnny Smith. And this is Smith & Sniff, a podcast in which two friends talk about cars and this week's strange minicabs. wearing two fleeces <laughs> isn't that cold <laughs> yeah i i'm 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 only sitting in our spare room however i look like someone that should be on a rally stage clapping and waving a scarf <laughs> because i'm so cold because of course the temperatures dipped a little bit in britain mm-hmm. um just after uh, guy fawkes night and things and it's a, a stark reminder of how crap my my house is so uh, I'm actually stood next to a radiator that's on full oh, chat with that's... two fleeces. Johnny, two fleeces. Are they branded fleeces that you got for free on car events? Um, I, I, luckily, this is a podcast. I'm not going to show you. One of them is was bought, um, the, which is a practical purchase, but not a good looking purchase. And the other one is a free one. Uh-huh. That's very soft to the touch, but not massively uh, insulative. Yeah, you got any FOC fleeces? No, I don't actually. I mean, I don't. I don't know that I've got any FOC clothes, really. Oh, I I could help you there. Um, I mean, you're I a man that to... enjoys a bit of world endurance uh, racing, don't you? Yeah. I think I might have a Le Mans 24-hour bright white, and I mean like sheet of A4 paper white. Audi racing jacket. Oh. I've never even. I've put. I put it on once. I was too scared to wear it ever again. Yeah, I did get one of those, and I gave it to a charity auction because I didn't. It's want a great it. jacket, but I'm too scared. Um, I'm too scared to do anything with it. Do you look like the most padded person I've ever seen? Who was a, some poor fucker who has to drive a single cylinder dumper truck down the Belgian pave? <laughs> At uh, the Myra Proving Ground in the Midlands. Have those, you seen somebody doing that? Yeah, it's unbelievable because they don't have any suspension because by and large no, they, they don't. don't need it, but they it's do need the durability testing. And so uh, someone explained it to me, a, a mate of mine who used to work there. Uh, anyway, it's like the worst, just famously the worst job in, in the car industry or the British vehicle interest industry. <laughs> um, yeah, it's still, they still need to do durability testing on single-cylinder dumper trucks. Ding, 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 ding. And, uh, uh, yeah, so some poor bugger, they have to... Was, uh, he actually looked a bit like Fat Stig because he'd got a white crash helmet on. <laughs> <laughs> and, but then was all padded up because it's the only way to do it. So you, do, you, you pad it up, but you can only do a short stint. They take it in turns because it's, it's medically dangerous to do it for more than a bit. Um, Medi- so hang on, it's, it's probably a more difficult job than doing VMAX on the bowl at the proving grounds. Oh, like Christ, yeah. Milbrook. Yeah, yeah. It's the single cylinder dumper truck over the Belgian pave surfacing. Yeah, brilliant. And, but but so that. yeah, they're just sort of hugely padded up, like sort of 
weird, like a cross between the the, the Stig and the Michelin Man, um, and sent off. Ding, 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 ding. Um, yeah, awful job. I'd do it. Um, oh, speaking of the cold as well, um, I, I we went away last week. Uh, in a borrowed you, car, you, which I'll, I'll come on to in a minute, but we so I left our Jag I Pace um, parked outside under a tree at home, and it was a bit weird last mm. week, wasn't it? Because it just like autumn properly arrived, and all the trees went ah and just dropped all they their did. leaves. Yeah, and it came back, and the Jag was covered in leaves. That was fine. So I swooshed a few off, and um, and then I went out in it the other morning. First thing, there wasn't a hedgehog in the scuttle. Was that? No, but th- what there was in the scuttle were a lot of leaves still. And yeah. the great thing about their Jag, like a lot of electric cars, is when you park it, you can leave the heater going if you want. Y- yes. And I was only stopping quite briefly. And it's it sort of, you know, in electric cars as well, the heater starts working quite quickly, but it, which is nice. On a, it was a bit bitter that morning. But it still wasn't sort of super warm. And I was like, oh, I'll just push the button as I get out of it. It um, leaves the heater going. While I pop in here for five minutes, I'll come back, car will be nice and toasty. Because I've done yeah. a bit of an idiotic thing and just dashed out to the post office without a jacket. And Oh, Rich, this is this is becoming <laughs> know, very partial. into a saga. <laughs> yeah. um, I came back, and when you leave it with the heater going, you can hear it. It makes this sort of, like, home boiler noise. Just... I know. Whoosh. Yeah. And as I came like back towards it, I was like, boiler. that's very... It's very noisy this morning. Sounds like it's sort of struggling a bit. <laughs> and then as I got close, I was like, God, it's really making a racket, isn't it? And I was about to get in. I suddenly went, oh, shit. It's the, the, the grill that ingests air for the heater is on the scuttle panel by the wiper hinges. By the wipers, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was covered in leaves. So basically, I'd left my car struggling to breathe. And I swooshed a load of leaves away from this grill. And it was like... <laughs> Like it's suddenly like it was it's like pulling the gaffer tape off a prisoner in a gritty film drama. <laughs> and all of that because the man wanted to go to the post office without a without jacket. Without a jacket. It was like full I was like in fact funny enough, I was sort of I was, I was like, What would Tiff do here? Yes, he would wear inadequate clothing for cold ah. weather. But you know what he has in the boot. Well, we do. Oh, shit, yeah, as well. Because uh, after talking about There's that... There's photo evidence now. Yeah, I can't believe that. And let me be clear. The the Skoda jacket, it was sort of as you described, but in, in many ways it was even better. Because it is massive. <laughs> it's, it's huge. I mean, you could jump off the roof of your own house and then you just <laughs> tennis ball back up again. He did... He looked like he was equipped to go and drive a single cylinder dumper truck down a Belgian Parve track because it's it's it increases. It's like Rich, things- that's what we do. That's what we do. That's it. What? It's uh, children in needs coming up. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get Tiff to do something charitable that car enthusiasts would probably appreciate. We get him the Skoda jacket, maybe some insulated trousers and a hat, and we get him to, to drive the dumper truck for a 12-hour marathon. And we oh live stream it. He's nearly we 70. What you're proposing is a charitable plan to kill TV's Tiff Nadell. <laughs> no, not kill him, but make him... I mean, there would be some swearing, so it would have to be post-watershed charity-based activity. Yeah, but I, I mean, think it would be if the actual brilliant. 
But if the sheer impact of having to drive a, a machine with no suspension down a cobbled track wasn't enough, you're also <laughs> forcing him to drive for an extended period of time a very slow thing with a bad chassis. I mean, that would kill him internally if uh, it would. If the impact didn't get him first, so anyway. he'd also be really annoyed because he wouldn't be able to put his cup of extremely strong coffee or energy <laughs> drink anywhere because, of course, it would just juggle it straight out onto the floor. So he'd have to have one of those fully sealed coffee cups that he could keep in an internal pocket in his jacket. I'd like it if Skoda was to get in touch and go, "Oh, we've got some rally trousers as well that yeah, if you yeah, want. They're, they're absolutely massive." <laughs> What I thought when I saw that picture of his incredibly big rally jacket <laughs> with the sun down. Why do we always colours. talk about I don't know. We've got, we've, got to, we've got to get away from stop. this. But, but, but while we're here, you know how sometimes there's certain animals, I don't know, polar bears and things, they always say, oh, if one's coming towards you, you know, try and make yourself look as big as possible and it might frighten them off. <laughs> but that jacket, I mean, there's not an animal alive that wouldn't go, oh, my God, it's bigger than me, whatever that creature is with the green sleeves it's bigger than me i'm gonna turn green the other sleeves. way green sleeves if i, I have Sun to say green sleeves if we have we got that jacket airbrushed in skin color with like a six-pack on the front <laughs> <laughs> he would be he would look amazing like the sort of like the rock like a retired the rock but it would look like one of those bodybuilders who just only does upper body work and then sort of That's looks right. like a flamingo because they're an ostrich. <laughs> you go, mate, you do some legwork or something. You look ridiculous. Oh, forgot to say. Yeah, I was doing some ups and bys, record, uh, filming a car uh, this week. Should we That's explain? Going... We should. We should explain. If oh, what an up and by is. Oh, up it's and just, just like you... telly filming car lingo for the cameras at the side of the road. And you drive past Yeah, you drive it. past the cameraman and you turn around in a lay-by somewhere and you drive past and sometimes it's a corner. Anyway, it's all I was lingo, in the... isn't it? Those up and bys and... Car to car, revolve. Revolves, yeah. Which the is revolves. Where you, I like the revolves. You, the classic uh, one of the cars Diagonal. is driving on the wrong side of the road. Yeah, camera, the, yeah, the classic the driving and, on and the wrong the side car, of the road. Yeah, and then you do a you do a switch of positions and go past, and yeah, all that. What I, do you know? What I loved is when I was younger, watching old Top Gear. Is in the revolves. I'm pretty sure it was always Clarkson that flashed the headlights while he did it. Yeah, he did like that. That so was, it was same... always. I'm going. I'm going for a quite a vicious overtaking maneuver, but I'm always going to dab the full beams as I do it. And I, as a kid, this would have been. Um, I reckon 1990, 91 kind of era, I would have been about 11. I used to think that was so cool. I'd be like, mm. look at him, look. Yeah. He's flashing the lights on a BMW M5 and then doing a really close, slightly <laughs> yeah. dangerous overtake manoeuvre. That's, <laughs> That's the secret of Jeremy's success, though. He innately knows what 11-year-olds think is cool. Do you think? Yeah, it's definitely a secret to his success because, you know, a lot of kids like Top Gear, still do. It, I work, guess. it worked for it me. It worked brilliantly, yeah, yeah. Um, I, yes, I think that was around the time on Top Gear, sort of mid-90s, when they, they had a director who'd figured out it was just a sort of mini-cam technology had started to make cameras much smaller. And there were these little cameras that were sort of like uh, tubular, that, I think. And he figured right. out yeah. if he could get a long cable, he could attach one to the end of a big pole and then hold it out the side of the tracking car, and then you could effectively track in front of the star car and then lift the pole up and swivel it so that the car went underneath and the camera then flipped round, and the last shot you got was an upside-down shot of the back of the car driving away. 
And if you watch oh, Top Gear word. from that era, there's loads of that because this one director had he figured it out. It was like, it. you know, it's, it's the same as any sort of TV trickery. Once someone figures out how to do it, they just slightly overuse it and eventually he got told to stop it because it was becoming is he like a bit the, repetitive. Is like the John Woo of, of yes. 90s car-based television? Yeah, except he was doing it all on an A-road in Staffordshire <laughs> in the drizzle. Oh, well, that's yeah. That's that's the problem with our business. Sorry, you were saying anyway. You were, you were filming some up and buys. Oh, I was this doing week. these ups and buys. Yeah, that's the reason. And you you've just talked about an ostrich. I um I was in the GR Yaris, which I'm not allowed to talk about. Oh yet, shit! But, are um, you? Were you? Is it? Are I you? Was. What? Um, yeah, I am. I was. Yes, yes, I am, and I did. When and, are you allowed to talk um, about it? Uh, probably this 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 podcast will come out. I think the day before I'm allowed to talk about it or something. Needless well, to say, I drove, I've driven it, and I've filmed with it, and there will be a video of it on my uh, Late Break Show YouTube channel. Plug over. But, but yeah, does it lift on the tenth? Then is that right? I think it is the tenth. That's annoying. You're asking for specifics. Well, because we go out on the ninth, so yeah, that's, yeah, that's well, a bit of a shame know. you can't talk about so, it. So you certainly couldn't tell me if it's any good or not. <clears throat> I couldn't tell you if it's any good or not. Just wink. Well, I once can tell you if it's any. As good. I filmed it, <laughs> I'm going to wink once. Yeah, if I. I'm showing you. If I'm showing you my left nipple, that means it's a it's a wrong one. If I'm winking with my right eye, that means it's awesome. Okay, three, two, one. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, just so you know. So I was turning around hurriedly in a farmer's layby, oh, and yes, it was a particularly always... random day because it was the day before classed as lockdown in the UK, and yeah. where we were, the weather was sunny. Um, but cool, and it seemed that everyone was making our last dash for freedom. So it, we were inundated in this really scenic uh, back roads that we were trying to film on, inundated with cyclists, people um, going to a local golf course, dog mm. walkers, uh, parachutists. What? Um, I mean, oh, uh, you'll have to watch the video when it comes out. Yeah, you couldn't make this <laughs> shit up, Rich, honestly. Oh I'll, uh, yeah, yeah. Opening piece to camera, I've managed to get permission from a farmer to be in this idyllic field uh, because we couldn't find anywhere that wasn't strewn with cars and walkers. And as we started doing the opening piece to camera, people started landing around us in parach- with parachutes. Yeah, and then took about an hour to pack their parachutes up and chat about techniques and stuff. But anyway, um, I, I was reversing and, and trying to hurriedly turn it in this... Um, uh, this this farmer's uh, drive, and as I pulled in, I did a cheeky handbrake turn, which it's very good at. Um, and uh, I, I think the cameras were rolling. Actually, I'm trying to remember on on the side of the car, but there was like three ostriches just leaning against the fence, just staring at me, doing a proper like, "Who are you?" <laughs> with their heads slightly tilted, you know, like this yeah, is my they, dean. What are you yeah, doing, mate? Yeah. They're, they're cocky, aren't they? They've got they a bit of attitude. They're like they're like twats in pubs, like like an annoying Mancunian in a pub. There's a lot of head cocking. <laughs> twats in pubs. They are, though, aren't they? It's a bit of ho- yeah. yeah, I'd like that. That's a new Ross Kemp investigative um, <laughs> yeah, twats series in pubs with Ross Kemp. <laughs> this week, I'm going to the Three Sheaves near Bister. I've heard there's a lot of twats in there. <laughs> Do you remember this guy just plays ago? the fruity all evening. But if you spill his pint, woe beside you. This guy wears the same trousers seven days a week, and he's only got one pair. He never actually washes them. (laughs) This guy is uh, propping up the bar in the King's Arms 
in Winchester. He always claims he once had a fight with Prince Nazim and beat him. <laughs> More from Twats in Pubs next week. There's a guy over back left called Trevor. Um, Trevor's been banned from driving for four years. And all of his cars are kept in the car park just here. In fact, they've been removed for four years. <laughs> Trevor doesn't have a wife anymore. <laughs> Trevor always says he's better off without her. But you can tell there's sadness in his eyes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I, can't, um, I can only hear twats in pubs now to the tune of Girls on Film by Duran Duran. <laughs> sort of... <laughs> Twats in pubs. They play in the fruity. Twats in pubs. That would really work. Ordering Stella. Twats in We're giving away ideas for free again. Do you remember ages ago? I know we are. We're just an absolute Santa's bag full of them. Do you remember that? quite an old video we did an old smith and sniff youtube video when we talked about ross kemp on on gangs and um and we talked about the confusion of the granada ford granada owners clubs in the uk because when you ever you buy practical classics magazine which is a great mag by the way and it's it's always consistently full of excellent old car nonsense in the section at the back where there's the car clubs of great britain or whatever Mm. There's just so many lists of car clubs. But yeah, I remember being confused by how many uh, niche within niche car clubs there are because there's obviously been political issues. Yeah. Oh, it's full people's front of Granada, isn't it? There's just so much that goes on. Yeah, because you've got like the Ford Granada Owners Club, the Ford Granada Owners Guild, the Ford (laughs) Granada Drivers... The Owners Club of Granada. Yeah, and you got the. What do you mean the drivers' collective of Ford Granadas? What do they not talk to the Ford Granada owners' club of Great Britain? <laughs> no, they do not. No, they don't. And that's why Ross Kemp is. Going you know Pete in. Willis in the club. Yeah, you know how he lost his thumb. Yeah, it's because of the Guild of Granada Drivers. <laughs> got very ugly once. It's just brilliant, and I would love it. You know, it's like that scene from Anchorman where all the different um, <laughs> news <laughs> news readers. All Whoa, that escalated fast. Over. I love that. You've got New Cosworth. stock wheel trims. Oh, massively. And suddenly, just a few little exchanges on a quiet little badly designed forum. Yeah. Suddenly that everyone meets in a brutalist 60s car park. It's, it's in incredible, Crawley. isn't it? I, I've, I've caught, for quite a while, I've thought there's a sort of, there's potentially a sitcom in the ludicrous backbiting. I mean, not even between oh, there owners' is. clubs, but also within owners' clubs, I think. And I've never actually been in an owners' club, but, but I, I sort have. of. Have you? Which ones? Well, I'm in a, I'm in a few here really? and there. Yeah, Honda S800, big shout. Well, there must be like seven of you. Allegro Appreciation Society, big again, shout. Seven. Uh, <laughs> again, seven. I've actually been um, a member of a lot over the years. But I, one thing I don't do, I think the camaraderie is lovely for some people. I think the, um, the sharing of information and, and problem yeah. solving is f- wonderful. And that enthusiasm. The bit I don't quite get is the AGMs and the, hey, should we all meet up and have a turkey and tinsel at <laughs> the Harvester pub on, on December the 4th? And you're like, yeah. well, I'm actually really busy. Um, and, it, and and I don't get to see my like really close friends that I've known for 30 years very much. Am I going to go 
am I going to drive three hours <laughs> to sit with some people who just kind of like the same car as me? I'm, I know yeah. I don't want to offend people, but I probably wouldn't. Yes. Okay, so we've anyway. done that. So Ross Kemp has totally got to do a series on that. No one else can do it apart from Ross Kemp. Um, <clears throat> I what I find quite confusing about Practical Classics magazine, which you mentioned before, is they'll do like this week, this month, whatever it is, this month, how to dismantle and repair the gearbox on your Austin Montego with the S series engine, and I always think. It's so specific. Is there hope that you will hang on to this in case you ever do need to do that? Or are there people just sitting there with broken Austin Montego gearboxes in their 1.6 litre Montego, just waiting for Practical Classics to turn their badly adjusted laser on this particular topic? It's a good one. I guess it's it's hinging on the fact that it's relying on the fact that when you buy mags like that or you subscribe to mags like that that you keep them all and you have a compendium i assume so that you, and i think that in the days of now where everything's designed with pdfs and all that kind of thing if they don't already do it and hopefully they do and i remember from my mag days should you should just sell for like pennies like the, the collections of pdfs of things like how-to guides mm. because it would be simple if you if you suddenly woke up and went right i've got a I've got a 1988 Audi Coupe, and I want to just know what kind of jobs need doing on it and how to do them, which ones I'll be able to achieve and which ones are a professional job. Then you can just buy all of them. But it's, I mean, no. I'm amazed they maybe they do do this. I'm amazed they don't because the thing is they should do they've it. They put not the work daft. in, haven't they? And they could they could get a few extra quid back after the magazine has ceased to be on the newsstands. From yeah. just flogging their archive. I wonder if they do do that. They should do. Or you just buy a digital manual mm. from Haynes. Or a physical yeah. manual from Haynes. Because they... I, I, I would personally still buy a nice physical one. Because I do like mm. a slightly oily thumbprint. But yeah, I know exactly. You, they, it's, not, it's not authentic unless it's got oily thumbprints and shit on it. You can download e-ones. So you print the page out of the job you're doing that day, I guess. Well, and then leave an so oily it, thumbprint on your iPad. Yeah, yeah, I mean, an iPad is far too expensive and intricate to ever take into a garage. Yeah. Well, only a fool would do that. What The other thing I like about Practical Classics magazine is that there's a sort of... There's a kind of um, melancholic note to it, which is basically <laughs> where they, 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 they have never fully acknowledged that they're on a hiding to nothing with a lot of things. I remember the last copy that I <laughs> was thumbing through, it had a full buyer's guide for the Volvo 480. And I think it said on the cover something like, Volvo 480, the thinking man's coupe. And you go, ooh, upbeat, yes, good. And then probably the headline or the stand first on the actual article was like, the the cool coupe from Sweden, could it be your next left field choice? And it's all like, oh, wow, maybe it could be, yes, look at this. And, go, and the intro was all like, you know, the 480 was always an unusual design, but time has been kind to it, and it's certainly worth considering, and blah, 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 blah. And you go through it, and then you start reading it, and it goes, now, these are the bits that go wrong. This and 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 this. Here are the parts you can't get for it. All of them. And just you would have to be clinically deranged to recommend this car to anybody. And yet they've done a whole like six pages on it. And you think, why? Why have you not just gone? 
the Volvo 480. Avoid at all costs. If you already have one, burn it, crush it, destroy it. It will ruin your life. Why are they featuring this car and leading you astray with this sort of tantalising thought that it might be worth having? Because it patently isn't when you dig into their article and you learn that you literally can't get any spare parts for it and it goes wrong a lot. I think it's the same way that some my wife is saying some women are attracted to men who are a bit broken and oh no they like the idea of a project that they can mend them and bring them around and kind of heal all of the wounds Mm, this is a this is a fairly well documented phenomenon isn't it yeah and I think because I reckon my head has a bit of it going on uh, that attracts me to certain cars sometimes where if somebody says why don't you buy these? They're incredibly fun, but they're also rare and you can't buy any parts for them and they're uninsurable. I just go, oh, but for some reason that makes me want to tick that one off the bucket list because in a way, you if you'd see one on the street then, you'll go, oh, yeah, oh, that, that person's committed. They know what they're doing. I was talking to... Um, <laughs> oh, they're stupid. Or they're, or, yes, of course, or they're stupid. I mean, and, and it really is a sort of, of coin flip of, are they just a t- tosser or are they, are, they, are they really intelligent and ahead of the curve? Like um, I was talking to Citroen the other day about the C6. Mm. And the C6, you know, the, I remember I was on Car Magazine when we had a long-term one, when they were brand new. Yeah. And they were so, so wonderfully Citroen, mm. really comfortable, Quite luxurious, but but odd and suave and odd. Odd suave. I was always a bit disappointed with that car because I thought the ride wasn't as soft as it could and should have been compared to some other situations. If you bought one, would you you tap on the door of um, Bilstein and go, have you got some... Have you got well, some it's, your, it's your hydro-pneumatics, isn't it? It's hydro-pneumatics. So of course have have it is. It, you'd have to have it redone that way. I don't know how you'd do it, though, because it's... I mean, you'd have to have less viscous, yeah, less maybe viscous oil Tit around with valving. your fluids. Yes, yeah, probably your valving, isn't it? It'll be your, um, it'll be your accumulators. Yeah. Oh, it's always the accumulators in the end, isn't it? It's always the accumulators, mate. Yeah, yeah. Right. But they've um, hit that point where... if you see, I saw an old couple in one about two months ago. Mm, they look great. I mean, don't get me wrong. And it looks great. Them. It did. It looked, It was like midnight blue, and I have, mm. and it was really immaculate in terms of like clean, cleanliness. Mm. And I looked at this couple, and I thought, they've totally had it from it when it was new. They've probably had 16 recalls on it, but they don't care, because when it's running well, it's running really well. <laughs> Many I years love it when ago. people say stuff like that. When it runs well, it runs well. It runs well. It's like, yeah. it's like Anchorman 6. doesn't 60% well. of the time, it, yeah. it, <laughs> yes, it works every time. time. It works every time. What, your starter motor? Yeah. Um, yeah. I once called an Uber from central London, and it was a Citroen C6. And really? It, it was a delightful taxi. Really nice. So, I mean, although I, I might chelp a little bit that about the ride quality, it was it was more sumptuous than your average oh. minicab. Rich, that's a lost leader of a of an Uber. Do you know surely. what? Actually, I don't think it was Uber. I think it was pre Uber. It was not long ago. It was. I think it was um, Pruber. Yeah, Pruber. Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was some other. Was it like Green Tomato used to be a thing when they mm-hmm. you could call? They, they sort of in the vanguard of calling cabs from. I love that. I love odd. Um, do you know that would be a really good shout out to people who have experienced unusual taxis, mm. which have been really because I remember one night when we. When we came 
we came back from a, a club in Bristol. Uh, my friend lived on the outskirts of Bristol and he called a cab um, and he said, oh, I've got a number that I kept last time I was out. And it was really early in the morning, you know, like half three, four or something. This person rocked up in a Subaru Impreza WRX STI oh my God. when it was when it was new. They, they, it, it was pretty much new, and he had a he had a cap on, and this thing rumbled in and and wound the window down. It was the guy that Dana booked, and we were like, "What on earth is going on?" You know, just come out of this club and had a great night. And so like, this is like the best ending, uh-huh. and we went we went through Bristol like it was some sort of. Uh, West Country version of Fast and Furious <laughs> with all the gauges, all, all the boost gauges <laughs> flickering. He might have had some some certain dance music on. I'm trying to remember now. Of course, but we were all pinned in the seat, just going, "This is brilliant. This is going to cost us five quid each to get home, and we're doing it in a a brand new Impreza being driven by a guy." And 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 we 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 had to say, "Listen, look, don't don't wish to pry, but what's the deal with the car?" He went, "It's my dream car," and I'm working like three jobs to keep it. Oh my god! But one of them is and being a taxi. One of them is being a taxi. He said, but he said it's great because um, I, I only do pre-booking, and he said I get to drive it, so I get to legitimately <laughs> drive the car that I'm that I'm busting my ass to, to afford. And I, I had so much respect for him because I was thinking that's really cool. Like he really worships that car. He wanted yeah. that car so badly. I mean, goodness, he might still have it now, but it was like 20 years ago. But, but that's funny because in a way, in the same way that I sort of, I think I'm just a coward basically. Cause when you say, Oh, you know, learning that a car is hard to keep running and difficult to insure and all these <laughs> You're sort of things, a coward. And, yeah, about 70% of people who've owned one have lost at least five fingernails because of a design fault that they never saw coming. And I, I just go, well, then that's good. I can scratch that off the list. I will never own one of those. I will run a mile from it. And I just don't have that bit in my brain that goes, ooh, that draws me in a bit more. By the same token, I don't understand that guy. I mean, I do understand that guy's mentality, and it's admirable in one way, but I sort of think having to ferry people around, some of whom may or may not be a bit pukey, and driving the car all the time in a functional way would sort of take the shine off it for me. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Unless he enjoys the role play element, Rich. Maybe. Or maybe he just likes talking about it because he's so proud of it. Yeah. People are bound to ask, aren't they? I would say uh, men of a certain age and below will always ask 
if they get a mini cab and it's a WRX Impreza. Oh, um, on that note, yeah. Um, I was just walking the dog this morning, and somebody has abandoned, as in, just completely dumped in the middle of a fairly major thoroughfare, a <laughs> Subaru Tribeca. Do you remember those? Yes, yeah, absolutely inexplicable mpv that had i think a flat six engine in it which was a bit stupid in itself doesn't and it have a very strange kind of children's flute front styling yes <laughs> you know what i mean like like the illustration from a, a not popular kids book called something like you know the happy <laughs> ocarina or something it's yes it's got a terrible nose and the um, Tribeca, yeah, it's been dumped. But when I say dumped, I mean, and it was there yesterday as well. And I know this because I, um, I was in a in a uh, minicab or an Uber, um, and we had to queue to go round it. It is, it's a, it's a, it's a main thoroughfare with because it goes over a railway bridge and there's no pavement on one side, and so it's just dumped up against the brick wall of the railway bridge, but on the road so that it's blocking traffic, and it's got police tape wrapped around the body so the police have sort of been out and gone oh right there's a car dumped here but then seemingly made no effort to have it removed which makes me think is it is it like has it been involved in a crime and do they need to have it removed by the people who won't leave fingerprints all over it or something but why it's brilliant isn't it why leave it for it's been there at least 24 hours which to me is odd because it is blocking a road um, but I was, I was well, almost like I was caught in a two things. It was like on the one hand, I was like, "What's going on with that car?" But also, it's a Tribeca. I haven't seen a Tribeca for fucking ages. I I think it's it's a thin on the ground machine. I bet you there's what forty in the UK. I bet there's well, hardly yeah. any. Shall I have a look on old what's it? How many yeah. left? Are we? Are you going to do some live investigative live, journalism? Live, right live now? journalism. Subaru. It was called the B9 Tribeca, wasn't it? Oh, there's B9. lots of different sorts. Okay, let's go for, first of all, Tribeca. They do this by model, don't they? Did they do a flat six version that you thought? I thought they were all flat sixes. Although maybe they are all flat sixes. Because I be think honest, it was I like didn't... a 3.6 litre flat six, which is one of the reasons it was incredibly unpopular, was because it was What, massively thirsty? And yeah. Okay, let's run through So heavy. Um Tribeca SE5 automatic. There are currently five of those <clears throat> licensed and none sawn. There's probably one less of that because there's one in the middle of the road. Yeah. At your place. <laughs> oh, I've got to do this. This is becoming a bit of a. I love it when there. people. I, that's another thing. You don't see so many kind of fully abandoned vehicles anymore. I mean, I'm the, not saying it's a good <clears throat> thing, but it's fascinating. The SE7 model, I guess that's the seven seater, maybe. There are four of those. Four in the whole of the United Kingdom. Yeah, so we're up to nine so far. That's so rare. It's extraordinary, isn't it? I should go and. I maybe I'll just go and commandeer that one that's dumped near me because. Let's try this B9. Okay, so Hang then, on, if it still runs, Rich, we could have it as a Smith & Sniff. Well, if it hadn't car. been in the middle of a road with traffic coming and I had the mutt with me, I'd have walked over and just had a little look to see if the keys were in it because it, it, it strikes me it has genuinely been abandoned. And, you know, if it's been abandoned because it was, I don't know, stolen or broken down, it just looks... It has the air of... Also, it's on a Did it have the radio on and was it play? If it was playing a song yeah. with, with the door still open oh, like that's... somebody had just run away, but it was yeah. in park... And, what song would have been playing on the radio as you approached it? Um, Come on, set the scene for us. Broken Wings by Mr. Mister. 
<laughs> I don't know why. Bra- bravo, bravo. Um, Absolutely love that one. Um, I, I was going to do that Phil Collins song. Um, oh, bollocks, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, Another Day in Paradise. Yeah, that would be good. That would be good. Oh, uh, I Well, anyway, I was going to say, um, I'm sorry, I'm just now just searching. Oh, there's a hundred and something of the... Okay, so, I mean, uh, rough maths, I think. I think there's 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 definitely fewer than four hundred in Britain. That's that, that's higher than I expected. But I mean, if, in another way, that's yeah, it is higher than I expected. Do you think a few people lot. have bought them and then gone? I've got this for life now, whether I want it or not. Maybe that's it. Maybe the person who's abandoned it around the corner from me is just they've just literally gone. Oh, do you know what? Fucking, it's for sale somewhere, and they've just lost the will to live. They just had a call. Someone going, yeah, I'm calling about the car, and they were such an arsewit that they've just given up all <laughs> hope, and and they've just dumped it. They'd rather that, dump it than sell it. That's that that scene that you witnessed is 2020. That's oh, 2020. The year of despair. You were already in a semi-state of despair, but you you were trying to sell a car that pretty much nobody wants, even though it might be fully functional, and you've just had enough. You, yeah. You, you pulled up at the lights. Do you know what? I bet you there was nothing even wrong with it. We're all presuming well, it broke down. Bet sort it did cross my mind. But the weird bet thing is, as well, because if it had totally conked out, knowing it's in a position that is properly blocking traffic and being a bit annoying, it's also on a slight downhill slope because it's a railway bridge and it was over the hump of the bridge and facing downhill. You could have just disengaged everything and coasted down. Yeah. And pulled into a side road. Um, people don't think to do stuff like that no, these days are when they break daft, down. They're a bit clueless. There's two Tribeca's on Auto Trader at the moment. Um, and uh, one of them is £3,490. The other one is uh, £4,995. More than I thought. I mean, they're, okay. they're both 58 reg, so they're not actually... Well, I suppose 12 years old is quite old, isn't it? Right, you take a screen grab of that, um, and in three years' time... Let's see if they're still for sale. <laughs> and they've knocked they've knocked about a grand off, but they're still for sale. They're still there. Oh my god. They're uh according to this, they're three litre. Um three litre flat six. Three is it the same petrol. as the same as the legacy engine or the Yeah, and it's the according outback. to these ads, they're also ULES compliant, which is surprising. But mind you, I mean my three point eight litre flat six Porsche is ULES compliant and my Land Rover isn't. So. Why? Oh, I don't know, because they're just making it up as they go along, aren't they? They've decided that diesel is the bad thing now, so it's not really related to... What, what you but you can drive a really big flat-six SUV petrol thing? Yeah, when they expand the um, uh, ultra-low emission zone in London to the north and south circular, it will envelop my house, which is irritating, because my Land Rover will be liable to pay a daily charge for driving around, and my Porsche won't. Well, you'll have to um, bring your Land Rover up here, mate. I might have uh, to, yeah. I'll Um, I'll build a lean-to for it. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, Yeah, no, we were talking about unusual taxis, which might be a fertile uh, ground if people people can write in or or whatever, leave us a message on social media about um, most unusual minicab you've ever had. Because I remembered one uh, years ago, pre-Uber, when you you used to come out of bars and clubs in in London and there'd just be people standing on street corners going minicab 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 yeah weird drug pushers but with it's the the cash in hand guys who were like just chancing it yeah yeah there was a lot of that particularly and you always knew you'd got a, a, a slightly hooky one if he started trying to sell you DVDs while he drove you home 
which I had. <laughs> what did you buy? I didn't. I like, didn't well, because I was like, I'm not trusting that this DVD will actually work. I can't remember what he was selling. They were just sort of you no, know, you, popular you films. Some totally... of which I think some of them were films that weren't actually out on DVD. So I was like, if you bought this, what you're going to be watching is someone with a camcorder in a cinema, aren't you? And there'll be the sound of popcorn being eaten. And at one point, you know, he'll drop the camcorder. It'll be dog shit. I love so. that, though. You go, right, so you're going to take... Here's the final deal. My final deal to you is... 12 quid you take me home but I'm having um, gone in 60 seconds with Nicolas Cage and I'm having Jewel of the Nile on <laughs> done alright and he'll go look alright mate okay whatever and it, and it and when he drops you off and you give him the cash he runs around to the boot and in the boot he's got this just stack of badly <laughs> photocopied DVDs and he goes alright pal there you go gone in 60 seconds with Cage Jewel of the Nile off you go and done I quite um, like that. Maybe we should go back to those days. Yeah. Well, I so one night um, there were four of us came out of a club and we were all going in broadly the same direction. So we went, oh, we'll share a cab. So I went up to one of these guys in the corner and went, yeah, we're going to take us to North London. And he went, yeah, follow me. We walked around the corner and there's a few cars parked in this sort of shady side street. And one of them was a Vauxhall Corsa three-door. And my mate jokingly went, please let it be the Corsa. At exactly the point, <laughs> the guy plipped the locks, and it was. And <laughs> so four of us crammed in this three-door Corsa. We're driving along, and I think I'd called shotgun because I was the tallest, as is acceptable under international law. And, that is, um, yeah, I'm a shotgun rider. Yeah. But so I went, I don't mean to be rude mate but this doesn't seem like a normal mini cab what you're playing at. and it was brand new as well like it smelt new and it was it was immaculate weirdly which often mini cabs back then weren't and uh, and he went oh my my car's in for a service this is the courtesy car and he'd got like a vector or something and he'd taken it to the Vauxhall dealer which I thought was odd in itself where you wouldn't just do an under the arches job but he was having it fixed, and they'd given him a brand new course of three door, and he'd just gone, "Fuck it, I'll carry on minicabbing because that's my job." <laughs> three door as well. Oh no, three door! It was incredible. The three blokes in the back clambering in—it's just like, you know, that, that's a gr- there's another idea. Could you just become? Could we register as Ubers and just intentionally pick the most awkward, least practical, silly car? So just to annoy people, you're not doing it really to earn proper money because you've picked the wrong car. So you what, just go. What, what? You just go. Oh right. So I'm going to be. I'm going to pick a Honda CRZ. No, that's go, quite a good. Mini really? Car. Have you sat in the back of a Honda CRZ? Oh, CRZ. Sorry. Yeah. I don't know why I was thinking of um, um, HRV. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, that would be silly. Well, I always think of HRT when anyone ever says HRV. <laughs> the Honda, the Honda replacement therapy. <laughs> <laughs> that's just Toyota, isn't it? What Honda replacement? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, or is it the Honda replacement Toyota HRT? <laughs> uh, I oh, I just I was sorry. I was, I was trying to do the podcast whilst falling inexorably down a Subaru Tribeca wormhole. And, I can um, tell you're getting distracted. You're, I'm going to stop now because it turns out they did have a three liter flat six, but then the later ones had a three point six in them. I think I haven't really managed to get to the bottom of when that changed. The that's, other thing I do know and fact about uh, the Tribeca, which 
I've put into my next boring car trivia book, which is going to come out soon, I promise, um, which is that the the European launch of the Tribeca was in Venice. Venice? Yeah, which to me is not a very car-centric city. Yes, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> it was was someone at Subaru taking the piss and going, let's just sink them all. It's a sinking car anyway. Let's just sink them all. I feel like it's How just do- a way of going, giving the attending media a very clear signal that this car will not be nice to drive. We're launching it in a place where there are literally no roads. All I ever think about with Venice is the, the James Bond scene. Yes. Um, uh, the Roger Moore film, which one was it? Was it Moon, Moonraker? Uh, was it Moonraker? Octopus Sea. With the, with the Renault that gets cut in half. Now, he drives the half of the I Renault. I should know this because I've just been reading an excellent new book, which I'm going to plug because it's written by a friend of ours, uh, oh. Jason Barlow. Jason Barlow, indeed. Jason Barlow, the car journalist and um, Top Gear writer former Tokyo presenter who we know, know and has just you, got a book out called um, Bond Cars. I think it's just called that. I should probably have checked it, this, but I didn't know I was going to plug it. It's called, I think it's called Bond Cars, The Definitive History. And it just goes through every movie and it just talks about... All the, the cars. All the cars. And he's very, very precise. So it'll sort of major on the big star cars, but then at the end of each chapter, it'll go, also in this film, you might have noticed, and it'll list all of the cars that are in the film. Uh, and it's got loads of uh, brilliant behind-the-scenes photos and production drawings and all sorts of stuff. They let him just run amok in the Eon archive and That's dig out amazing. all this fascinating stuff that no one's really seen before. It is called of... Bon Cars. Bon Cars, the definitive history. Yeah, it's really and... good. I heartily recommend it or ask for it for Christmas. I, do you know, I am actually going to ask for it for Christmas because... Um, Especially if he delves into the lesser spotted Bond featured vehicles, that's where I get I get a little bit excited. I mean, and, the, the very least they're acknowledged. So you know, if you're one of those people like me who goes, he better have bloody mentioned that as an Audi 200 Avant in uh, Living Daylights, and um, <laughs> and he has. I mean, I think I might. He told me he was writing this book, and I went, "You better mention the 200 Avant from uh, Living Daylights." And he went, "Oh, don't worry." It's in there. You know, there's loads of stuff. Oh, he there's a knows. fabulous photo. There's one of the photos that just really amused me is that is um behind the scenes picture of uh, you know, Remy Julien, the famous stunt driver and his team who did a lot of uh, a lot of movie stunts sort of in the sixties, seventeen eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Probably beyond. They did the Italian job stuff with the minis, but they also did all that Renault eleven stuff in Paris yeah. with the car getting split in half. There's oh that's great, Paris, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And there's a great photo. Hang on, that was a view to a kill, wasn't it? I'm getting them all mixed up. Was Stop that getting what Bond wrong. One? Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, but there's a photo in this book of the um, the effectively stunt rehearsals. And it's just a, it's just a picture, <laughs> taken on some airfield somewhere, of a Renault 11 in midair, like really high up, doing a big jump onto a load of cardboard boxes. And it was Remy Julien doing some of his sort of stunt planning and testing. And it's just stuff oh like that. Gosh. You just go, no one's ever seen that picture before unless they've been to the Eon archive. So it's really, really nice. I would heartily recommend it. And Jason's not paying me to say this. I just think it's a... No, really, he's not, really but also... Good, he's a satisfying read, if you like that sort of thing. He's a fantastic guy. He's also an, he's an incredible writer. And his knowledge of music, which may or may not be in the book, is, is second to none. Uh, uh, no, I haven't seen any mentions of music particularly, but, you know, it's it's... It's just because he stays on target. I'm going to um, ask for it for Christmas. And I when would. I'm sat wearing a festive fleece 
with moccasins <laughs> on um, between Christmas and with, New Year. I'm with going snowflakes, putting... but when you look closely, they're all Citroen chevrons. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love a bit of that. Yeah, and I, what I'm going to do is I, when I'm drinking my port um, and, and admiring some of um, this book, I'll be putting post-its in my favourite pages. Oh. So when I come back to it, there's a cluster of post-its, which you go to. Pages, you know that. It's always the way it is. Always the way. Anyway, well done anyway. On, the, on the Bond book, Bond yeah. car book. Um, so, uh, well, I was, well, I was almost time to wrap this up, but I was also going to say there's something else I was going to tell you. Oh, no, I was just, I, we'll come back to this because actually it's quite a big topic. But uh, we were away last week and we went up to Suffolk and I had borrowed a Kia Nero Fev, so plug in hybrid. Plug in hybrid, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I've had a few people, every time I mention Fevs on like Twitter or things, there's a few people sort of weigh in and go, oh, they're completely stupid because you're just dragging around this battery that you never need, and you know, because you know, obviously the, the the economy figures and emission numbers that are quoted for plug-in hybrids are always sky high, and it's like 159 miles to the gallon or something, and you just go, well, yeah. now hang on. That's if you plug it in. And, of course, the argument is, well, then it'll do like 20 or 30 miles on battery at most. And when the battery's depleted, you're just dragging around a dead battery and working the petrol engine hard, and they're not actually very economical at all. And I think that used to be the case. I remember that Outlander FEV, which is I think, inexplicably popular, but it's obviously yeah. it's a lot of it is a tax fiddle, which yeah. is the other thing people always go, oh, it's just tax fiddle, it's a tax fiddle. But, um, well, some of it is, yeah. Some of it is, and again, I mean, I remember driving that the, the last shape BMW's three series plug-in, and it it sort of did like eight miles in the real world on battery, and I'd left it plugged in all day on a three-pin socket, which obviously is a bit of a trial, anyway, and um, and then it wouldn't even get me across London on battery, no. and I was like, well, well, that's just silly. Then it, we it, had it a Mercedes. A yeah, we had a Mercedes, um, was it called a 350E or something? Oh, yeah, you did, didn't you? Uh, I had one for a year on, um, you know, on, on lease, and it was exactly the same. It was it was a tax whistle, really. Well, this is but, why I was going to bring up the Kia, because <clears throat> it's interesting how I think FEVs have evolved. And this was really interesting, because I plugged it in, and it had... I think it was showing 30-ish miles of electric-only range. Yeah. And a total range was, I don't know, like 300 and 400 miles maybe. We had to go 120 miles in it. Mm -hmm. And rather than it just sort of using all of its battery and then just moving on to petrol, it seemed to be quite intelligently deciding what was right for the circumstances. So on the motorway... It was obviously favouring petrol much more, and then you'd come to a queue of traffic or something, and it would use electric, and it was all very good. So we did a hundred. Did you have the sat nav set while you were doing that? Uh, no, not the car's sat nav because I used it's got CarPlay, so I used the Google Maps through CarPlay. So it wasn't able okay. to know where we were going through okay. the nav. And I know they can do that. Some of them can the Kia's yeah. do that? I'm not sure. Anyway, um, but the reason I bring this up is because I just thought it, it it actually it managed itself much better, and it was by marking its own homework. The computer reckoned we did a hundred and something miles to the gallon. I think I took a picture of the screen to really? remind myself because it intelligently used the battery and the petrol engine and shuttled the two. Uh, where is it? Let me have a look. Um, I've got it in my phone here somewhere. Yeah, we did. Oh, beg your pardon. We did a hundred and four miles at eighty-seven point two miles to the gallon. So I thought well, that's, quite, that's quite impressive. Well, if you and think, then, and that's with two children. Oh, we, I mean, a week's the car of was stuff. ridiculously full. Like, can't yes. see out the back window through the rearview mirror full. 
yeah, on the way can't there. open it the was, back back door without stuff falling out. It was insane. Yeah, because it's like some balls and balloons escape. It was ridiculous how much stuff we took away for a, a week in the country. But uh, then we did 123 miles, and it did 67.2 miles per gallon when the battery was depleted. So what it does then is it just it still keeps a little bit of electricity in the battery and regens as much as it can, yeah. and um, uh, and just behaves like a normal hybrid not plug in just like a Prius would I suppose yeah yeah and I saw 67 miles per gallon on a, on a fully laden car with four people in it doing a lot of motorway miles it's like well a diesel would struggle to do that so actually it sort of does work I think that's when well I have two things to say about that first thing when I had a Honda Insight first generation Insight which is not a plug-in sometimes you could get about 80 to the gallon out of that but that's a two-seater 800 kilo car with older hybridization technology Mm. and that's what late 90s so 20 years have gone on you've got that the e-nero which is a pretty good booted um mid-sized family car and um that's i think that's really impressive yeah, um, I'm, so I'm just I'm a bit because I know we've got the electric Jag at the moment, and we're probably going to hang on to it for a bit longer because I'm going to ex- I've got the option to do extend it. the lease, and it, it does the job for us. But I just see a lot more UK holidays in our future because of Corona and stuff, and um, we've already had two in recent times. And um, you've been really good. You've taken your kids away to to see stuff. Um, yeah, we're over trying, the last few months. We have to amuse them. Um, I've been a bad dad this year. Oh, I wouldn't worry about it. I think sometimes the children resent us going, come on, we're going to do this. And they're like, oh, can we just play on our iPads? But, um, yeah, I sort of think maybe our next car might be a plug-in hybrid because it just makes things a bit easier for doing long distances to places where the plug-in, the charging network is not so good because we've just been, we, in the summer we went to Norfolk and then we've just been to Suffolk and there were not chargers around, I checked. And well, it would you- have made things a little bit less convenient with a Jag. It would have been doable, but it would have just meant you know a bit more planning and all that sort of stuff. So I was thinking it, maybe yeah, plug in might ease that because when you've got two small kids and you're on your way home at night and it's raining, you just want to get home. You just want to get home. So I mean, I'm still thinking about it, but I'm gonna. I've booked to borrow a few thevs. So we've tried the Nero. I've got an XC60 coming, and then hopefully I'm borrowing a Disco Sport plug-in. So uh, I'll, I'll, uh, do a discovery a, I'll do what? A, sorry, what was that? Discovery? Oh, what? I beg your pardon. A Disco Sport. Disco Spolta. 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 Oh, and the second thing I wanted to say was I'm really glad that you referred to plug-in hybrids as FEVs because I've been picked up on this a lot um, because I refer to them as FEVs with the PH being like photo and things like that. People go, it's not a FEV, it's a PHEV. And it's like, well... Okay, there's many ways to say it. Um, but it's, however, I I say Fev because it just it's fev. quicker to it's quicker yeah. to say it rolls off the tongue. What the hell? But some people are quite offended by it, and I'm like, um, is it just me and you are the only people that refer I to them as Fevs? I thought everyone did. Although, funny enough, I was talking to someone from Land Rover about the Discovery Sport, and they call their plug-in cars Phevs because I think they're pronouncing the I plug-in P-hevs. hybrid electric vehicle. Yeah, they call them Phevs, uh, but that's. That's so slow to say it when you're throwing in a sentence. Pihev. Pihev. Also sounds like a cartoon, like a Japanese cartoon character. <laughs> Doesn't it? Or a very small bird with very long legs that you see in coastal regions. 
Oh, oh did look, you see a couple, a couple of peahebs over there? There's oh, a breeding pair like... of peahebs. Yes, yes, we saw. We saw them. The peahebs are nesting on the beaches at the moment, so do be careful with the dog. <laughs> this. <laughs> Right. Anyway, look, we should wrap this up. But like I said, I'll do a, I'll do a peahev. Uh, I will we'll come back to this. I don't know if people are interested, but I, it feels like it's quite topical at the moment. And, you know, heaven forfend, we talk about cars sometimes on this show. We probably probably should. I think by the time you're, if, you've re, if, you re, if you extend your lease on your, 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 your Jag, I think by the time that comes to an end, you'll just go for a more efficient, longer range electric. My Kia Soul 64 kilowatt hour is just stunning. I can do, like at the moment, five degrees in the morning, really cold, preheat. I can drive 260 miles, 250, 260 miles at 70 miles an hour with the heating on, with the heated seats on, pure comfort, effortless. Mm. It's brilliant. I mean, I, I could do I th- that in the Jag pretty much. It's just, it is. The, I don't know. I'm still working this through, but you're I just, just a coward. I, you said it before. Rich. I am you said a coward. at the beginning of this podcast, yeah. you just, you're just automotive coward. Oh, yeah. <laughs> AC. Automotive well, there we go. coward. Uh, and we, I'm a DC. Uh, we've uh, we've written my epitaph there in this show. All right. Anyway, I have three things to tell you. Uh, first of all, Johnny has a solo YouTube channel, The Late Break Show. I would heartily recommend that you go to it right now and watch his two-part chat with TV's Chris Harris, which is really enjoyable. And um, well, thanks. Uh, I have uh, I, I've enjoyed both parts of that. Equally. Uh, secondly, I still have a book out. It's called The Medium-Sized Book of Boring Car Trivia by Sniff Petrol, available exclusively on Amazon. And the follow-up, I promise it is coming soon. I've just got to design the cover and some boring stuff like that. And thirdly, while most countries and languages use the word email, uh, the French call it courriel. What does that mean? Well, it means email in French, but you know how the French don't like to just use anglicised words for things. They have a committee that thinks up French equivalents (laughs) to preserve the integrity of the French language. Oh, my gosh. Merci beaucoup pour écouter de podcast uh, s'appelle Smith A. Sniff. um, And we'll regardez-vous next week. Écoutez, répétez, fève. All right, well, anyway, thank you very much. Um, as you can tell, I got a C at French GCSE. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Goodbye. I press play and I don't care who's listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.